This is the Howie Silbiger Show on the True Talk Radio Network. Call 1-877-669-1292. And good evening. Welcome to the Howie Silberger Show right here on the True Talk Radio Network. My name is Howie Silberger, and we are live, which means you could call in. The number to call, one 669 1292 That's one 669 1292 to get in on the conversation here on the Howie Silberger Show. We're starting a couple of minutes late tonight. We um, ran into some technical problems. Uh, if the sound is a little off, there's something going on. Uh, a little bug in the machine. That happens occasionally. Little gremlin gets into the machine and, and causes a little bit of trouble. But uh, we should be able to do the show and we should be able to take your calls. The technology should work properly. Um, one would hope, but you know, you never know, right? It's technology. Technology is great, but only when it works. Uh, so if I'm looking around and I'm uh, and I'm and I'm trying to I'm trying to fiddle with things, it's just because we're having a slight, a tiny, a minuscule. A uh, technical problem. Uh, join me at midnight tonight. That's right, uh, at midnight, Tuesday going into Wednesday. I'll be back on at midnight with uh, Political Hitman uh, right here on the True Talk Radio Network. And uh, that, that there is live right here, exactly where you're watching it, exactly where you're streaming it. And, um, and it'll be on at midnight tonight. So uh, I got to do a correction. It was a... Um, it's a correction from last night's show. I made a mistake, and uh, we all make mistakes. We're human. And so if you claim you've never made a mistake, I don't believe you. We've all made mistakes, and I made a mistake last night. When I was talking about the BDS movement, I called it the BLM movement. I heard it back during the uh, playback this morning on True Talk Radio, and, and I realized that I, I used the wrong name. <laughs> I used the wrong acronym. Although both... Um, both organizations, BDS and BLM, pretty much stand for the same thing. They're, they're both socialist organizations that want to destroy the Western way of life. So mixing one up with the other or using one acronym instead of the other acronym uh, is pretty much talking about the same thing. Uh, BDS is trying to destroy Israel financially from the inside out. And BLM is trying to destroy America financially from the inside out. So... So, uh, although I made the mistake and I said the wrong name, and we make mistakes, we, we apologize for them, we move on, uh, I don't think the mistake was all that great of a mistake because, hey, uh, BLM and BDS are almost the same thing. So, uh, I'm, I'm sorry I made that little mistake, but at the same time, I'm, uh, uh, I'm, not, I'm not embarrassed by it. Sometimes you make a mistake, you're a little embarrassed. I'm not embarrassed by this mistake at all. One eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two is the number to call. One eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two. The I I gave you I I, I um, brought up a story last night about BLM and uh, the founder of BLM who uh, who claimed that she wasn't defrauding the organization when she bought three point two million dollars worth of real estate 
with BLM money, with Black Lives Matters money. Now, if, if the news today is true, and it is, it's being reported everywhere, it is true, the tax filings reveal the tax filings of BLM. Like last night, I told you that there were no tax filings. They didn't, they didn't file their taxes. Uh, they finally filed their taxes. And the tax filings show that Black Lives Matter co-founder Patrice Colliers, who we spoke about last night, used charity funds to pay her brother and her child's father high-watering sums of cash for various services according to tax documents that were filed with the IRS yesterday. Now, <laughs> you're going to love this. The uh, co-founder's brother, Paul Colliers, saw a cool sum of $840,000 hit his bank account for allegedly providing security services to the nonprofit organization. Tax documents show. Meanwhile, the organization paid a company owned by Damon Turner, with whom Collier shares a child. He was paid $970,000 to help produce live events as well as other creative services. Now, on top of that controversy, BLM wrapped up its fiscal year, which runs from July 1st, 2020 to June 30th, 2021, with a stunning $42 million in net assets. The foundation had an operating budget of about $4 million, according to board members. More than $37 million was spent by the foundation on grants, real estate, and charter on private flights, according to tax filings. What's more, $32 million was invested in stocks, making up nearly a third of the $90 million the organization receives in donations. The investment is expected to become an endowment in a bid to ensure the foundation's work continues in the future, organizations say. Now, the 63-page Form 990 document, an annual filing required by nonprofit organizations to maintain their tax status, shows that Curly Earth reimbursed the organization $73,523 for a charter flight. Now, BLM insists she took the flight in 2021 out of concern for the COVID-19 pandemic and the health risks that it came with it. Collier already found out, found herself in hot water after receiving a cool $120,000 payment for undisclosed consulting fees by BLM. Now, after back-to-back controversy, Collier's last year resigned as the executive director of the organization, and, um, and, and people criticized her for her lavish lifestyle. Now, the tax filings released closely follows the controversy over the purchase of $6 million property in Los Angeles. BLM faced a torrent of backlash last month when it publicly emerged that the organization purchased a swanky Southern California home using donated cash. Collier at the time said that this was weeks re- uh, that she was weeks removed from being in survival mode after the post after the, after the New York Post exclusive reporting revealed her purchase of four high-end homes for 3.2 million bucks. During that time, she said she hosted a Joe Biden inauguration party for about 15 people, including BLM chapter members and other key allies of the organizations. Collier initially said that the property was purchased by BLM to serve as a meeting venue and a campus. She also issued a statement denying suggestions that she lived at the property or was taking advantage of it for personal gains. Collier also said that she threw a birthday party for her son on the property in 2021 and intended to pay a rental fee to BLM. Now, the recent tax filing shows that she paid the foundation an additional $390 over her uses of 6,500-square-foot studio city property for two private events. Tax records show that after spending more than $37 million on grants, real estate, consultants, and other undisclosed expenses, BLM organization is still worth tens of millions of dollars. 
A red flag that seemingly emerged from the tax records showed that the Colliers was uh, the foundation's board's sole voting director and had no board meetings. This uh, 990 reveals that the BLM Foundation is the largest black abolitionist nonprofit organization that has ever existed in the nation's history. What we're doing has never been done before, said Shalomoya Bowers, who served as the foundation's board secretary. We need to get dollars added to grassroots organizations doing the work of abolition, doing the work that would shift the moral tide of this world towards one that does not believe in police, prisons, jails, or violence, she added. Tax records show BLM paid Bowers over $2 million for providing the organization with operational support, as such as staffing and fundraising. The foundation vowed to launch a transparency accountability center on its website to make financial documents available. Bowers, who was named as one of the three members of BLM's board of directors in May, serves alongside their board chair, Cicely Gay, a communications professional, and Dizwan Parker, a member of BLM's Los Angeles chapter. We are decolonizing philanthropy, Gay said. We as a board, oh boy, are they ever decolonizing philanthropy. <laughs> oh man, I'm, I'm getting so caught up in the story, I'm, I, I'm even forgetting how to pronounce the word. Boy, are they decolonizing it. They're, they're raising money. They're asking people and white people who are guilty, guilty white people, people, white, whites who feel guilty. That's what she said yesterday, that you know, the majority of the money came to BLM through white guilt. And they're taking the money and buying homes and buying property and enriching themselves. And you know what's going to happen at the end of all this? The IRS is going to investigate and nothing is going to happen because the government is going to drop the case against them. Even if there is a case, the government, the American government, will drop the case against them for the simple reason that <laughs> they don't want more riots. They don't want people to burn down their cities. So if they actually charge a BLM uh, founder with fraud, with taking donated money from the organization and using it for personal gain, they will see riots in the street. And to avoid that, they're going to let these people get away with fraud. Oh, it's, it's, it's so wonderful. It's so wonderful that political correctness and, 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 and this, this, this crazy idea that the world owes somebody something allows for fraudulent activity not to be prosecuted for fear that someone's going to burn down a city. Imagine that. What a sad, pathetic world we live in. Speaking about sad and pathetic, here in Quebec, we have bigger problems coming up. Now, uh, nobody's, a lot of people are talking about it, but uh, I don't know how many people are actually yelling about it. There was a, um, there was a big protest against Bill 96 just a couple of days ago here in Quebec. The, um, the bill, which is going to become law, is is essentially a a, um, a a a law that's going to punish. It's going to punish a couple of people. Uh, it basically punishes French people. Now, now this is the whole thing. The English community in Quebec takes umbrage to the uh, to the um, they, they 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 take offense to these these language laws. But at the end of the day, the language laws actually actually persecute the French people more than it persecutes the English people. If you take a look at the original language law, English people were allowed to go to English schools and allowed to be educated in English. 
English people could put English signs in their stores as long as there's French that's a little more predominant than English. And I'm fine with that. I have no, I really have no issue with that. Uh, I know a lot of people are, oh, well, we should be equal and there should be no language laws. I don't care. So if, if I was educated in English anywhere in Canada and my kids want to go to an English school, I want to send my kids to an English school, I have no problem doing that. Unfortunately, French people can't do the same. So the French people are, are, are basically punishing the French people for being born French, for being born uh, Quebecers. And so now they're tightening up the law. They, they feel that, uh, that maybe English is, 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 is jumping a little bit. Maybe English is becoming a little too strong in Quebec. And they're, they're tightening up the law. And so the first law was passed in 1977. And then it was tightened up in the 1980s. And then, the, then, then it was tightened up again. And now they're revamping the law. So they're changing some of the stuff that, um, that, that was in the law. They're, they're tightening it up. Uh, amongst the things that they're doing, first of all, they're using the notwithstanding clause. So for those of you who don't understand what the notwithstanding, I mean, we hear this term, but how many people actually understand what the notwithstanding clause is? So for those of you who don't understand what the notwithstanding clause is, it essentially is an override uh, of the Charter of Rights and Freedoms that guarantees Canadians' rights and freedoms. Uh, what happened was, in the 19, in 1980, um, then Prime Minister Pierre Trudeau of the uh, Liberal government at the time uh, decided that um, decided that uh, because Quebec did not want to sign the Constitution of Canada, they were going to give a concession to Quebec, but they weren't going to give it to Quebec. They'll give it to all the provinces because you can't really just discriminate and give it to one province. They were going to give a concession which allowed provinces to pass laws that may discriminate against the population, against certain segments of the population, and may violate the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedom, which she introduced the same year. And they'll have, a, they'll have an opt-out. So, so they'll opt out of the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedom for that law. It's called the Notwithstanding Clause. So basically, it's notwithstanding the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. We're going to do this anyway. So it is... Um, it is a law that allows people, allows provinces to override articles of the charter and not allow people to challenge it based on human rights. So um, when they passed the law in 1977, they, they, they didn't have the notwithstanding clause, but in 1980 they did. So they updated the law and they, they used the notwithstanding clause. And the notwithstanding clause, they used notwithstanding clause to say that English people couldn't post signs and English couldn't do this. And, and, and there was no way that anybody could challenge these laws in court because the notwithstanding clause allows you to pass these laws without a challenge. So these are the major changes that are coming to the language laws as soon as this law is passed. Immigrants that come to Quebec... Now, now let, let's understand something before we even continue. Let's understand something, uh, and it, it's really disturbing. This is the most disturbing thing when it comes to Quebec. Quebec went out and they, they, they felt that there weren't enough English, there weren't enough French immigrants coming to Quebec. So they went to French Arab countries and they, and they basically recruited people to move to Quebec. They promised them jobs, they promised them a good lifestyle, that they could live in French. They promised them all sorts of stuff. Good education for their children. Uh, they, they promised them a whole lot of stuff. Then these Arabs came and, uh, and they came from these Arab countries and they moved into Quebec and the Quebec population of Arabs, primarily Montreal, 
crew, uh, the Montreal Arab community is probably around 300,000 people. So it's, it's a huge community. And then Quebec said, oh, wait a second. Now there are women walking around with hijabs and women walking around with kneecaps and women walking around looking like Arabic women. They all speak French, but they look like Arabic women. We can't have that in, in Quebec. Oh, no, 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 that's, that's not acceptable. So they passed Bill 21, which basically restricted Arab women who wear, uh, who wear Arab, Arab clothing to uh, serve in any official capacity, in any official government capacity. So they couldn't be teachers, they couldn't be doctors, they couldn't be lawyers. Well, doctors, they, they, they exempted doctors. But they couldn't be teachers, couldn't be lawyers, couldn't be judges. They, they just cut them out from any government job. These people who they recruited, who got an education in Quebec, a good education, they promised them a good education, these people got a good education in Quebec. And now suddenly these people are not able to find jobs because the government cut them out. So the government is now punishing immigrants again. So they've changed the law now that immigrants have six months to learn French. The law states that agencies of the government can provide services in a language other than French to immigrants coming to Quebec, but only for the first six months after their arrival. And after that, if you want to go and, uh, and speak to a government official in a hospital or speak to a government official about uh, renewing your driver's license or renewing your passport or your visa, and you want to speak in English to them, too bad. You've been there six months, learn French. They also created this category. So now we have a two-tier, three-tier society. They created this category called historic Anglophones. Now, services in English will be restricted to those who are eligible to attend English schools in the province or to those who attended English schools in Canada outside Quebec. So they expanded that whole criteria. You can't go to an English school unless one of the parents of your children, your children can't go to an English school unless one of the parents of the children were educated in English in, in Canada. So now they expanded that to services too. So essentially, if I want to go to a doctor, the doctor must talk to me in French unless I could prove I'm a historic Anglophone where the doctor would be permitted to talk to me in English. If I want to talk to a government official about anything, they must speak to me in French unless I could prove I was a historic Anglophone where then they could speak to me in English. How ridiculous is this? They're attacking businesses again, and this is going to cause businesses to leave Quebec again. Like we had, we had an exodus in Quebec uh, after the first language law businesses ran they built up toronto toronto is a beautiful huge city now because they all ran away from to quebec and they ran away from quebec because the stupid language laws that's why it was just because of the stupid language laws so the law extends the language charter to small businesses with 25 or more employees when the previous threshold was 50 employees the Office Quebecois de la Langue Française would also be granted powers of search and seizure without needing to warrant to inspect businesses and ensure they're complying with the law. So, there be, so now the government is saying, all right, if you are, um, if you are an office or, or some kind of business that has 25 employees, we could just walk in and take your stuff. We don't need a warrant. We could just walk in and say, hey, we're here. We're taking your stuff. We're going to check it to make sure everything's French. Sounds a little bit like a dictatorship. It's starting to get there, isn't it?
A minister responsible for the French language will be in charge of ensuring compliance with law. Among the minister's powers would be uh, would be to withhold grants or subsidies promised to municipalities if there's suspicion that they have not complied with the French language charter. So if you have English municipalities, English cities that 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 somehow violate the charter or I guess criticize the government in any way or or or, or promote English in any way, uh, the minister of the French language would be able to withhold grants and subsidies f- to that city. They'll be able to to stop payments to that city, starve it from cash, close it down if possible. It's insane. But there's more, and this will drive away business even more. Business contracts must be drawn up in French, and if there are versions of contracts in two languages, the French will take priority if there's a discrepancy. A company's pleadings in courts will have to be in French or translated into French. All judgments in courts will be in French or translated into French, and judges judges will no longer need to be bilingual. So, a unilingual judge, right now the rule is that judges have to be bilingual. So if you go to court, you could argue your case in English or in French. Everybody is equal under the law. That's how it stands right now. When this law gets passed, that is not how it's going to stand anymore. Then judges could be unilingual. All court judgments will be in French. All arguing in court will have to be in French. And and if you're an English person who has a business who has to go to court, well, tough luck. Hire a French lawyer. Now, if you're an English business that deals with American companies or companies outside of Quebec, your contracts have to be in French. So you're going to have to send an American company a French contract, insist that an American company gets a French lawyer to 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 verify the contract, and they have to sign French contracts because everything you do coming out of Quebec has to be French. How many businesses do you think are going to stay in Quebec if that ridiculous law passes? We're driving business out of Quebec yet. Again, services in French. Services to the public must be provided in French and employees must not be required to speak English unless a company has demonstrated that it is essential for an employee's job and a company has done all it can to avoid a requirement to speak language other than French. The bill also makes it easier for those who aren't served in French or employees who feel the right to communicate in French was violated to make complaints. So, so I have a, a store... And I must greet everybody in French. This is the new law. I can't say bonjour, hello. That's, that's why they put this in, by the way. Because there's this whole controversy about bonjour, hello. They don't want people saying bonjour, hello. They want the hello in there. They just wanted the bonjour in there. So they put this clause in saying that now you can only serve people in French. So if I walk into a store right now, as the law says, that I can walk in. The, the store clerk has to greet me in French. But if I speak English to the store clerk, the store clerk could immediately switch to English and, and serve me in English. That is going to change. Now, services to the public must be provided in French and French only. And employees must, and employees must not be required to speak English unless the company has demonstrated it's essential for the employee's job. So if, I, if, if you are a store employee, and you don't have to speak English. So English people don't count in the province of Quebec anymore. Right now, English people have become a second-class citizen. 
And of course, then there is the CJEP access new requirements. The total number of students allowed in English language CJEPs would be capped at 17.5% of the total provincial CJEP population. And access to English language programs in French CJEPs would be reduced. Mandatory French language exams that students must pass in order to graduate from French CJEPs would be extended to Francophone and Anglophone studying in the English CJEP. So essentially, French people would have to take a French exam to get out of CJEP. English people uh, who speak French, allophones, would have to take a French exam to get out of English CJEP. But English people who are historic Anglos will not have to do that. Students in English CJEPs would be required to take three out of their core, three of their core courses in French. Anglophone students in English CJEPs, however, however, um, would have the option of taking three language courses in French or a total of five French language instruction courses. Now, for students in elementary or high school, the government is putting a cap to three years on the number of years children of foreign temporary workers or foreign students can attend school in English. So, so this is the, this is a key thing, by the way, and it's a key thing that's affecting many, many, many communities. The government putting a cap on three years on a number of years children of foreign temporary workers or foreign students can attend school in English means that uh, organizations such as synagogues and mosques and churches that bring in American clergy can only, that clergy, if they have school-aged kids, could only send their kids to English school for three years. Now, previously, they were able to renew it. Every three years, they were able to renew their visa, and when they renewed their visa, they were able to renew their right to send their kids to English schools indefinitely. So every three years, they renew it for another three years, and, you know, how long are kids in school, right? In elementary and high school. So, you know, a few times, and then they're out. Now they've canceled that. And so we've seen, at least in the Jewish community, we've seen rabbis leaving. There, there are two rabbis who are leaving immediately. There's a third rabbi who will be leaving by the end of the summer. All because they have school-aged children and they cannot, are not allowed, after this law passes, to educate their children in English. So all these synagogues are looking for rabbis now, but they can't hire American rabbis because nobody's going to come to here. So, so, so the talent pool is much less than it would have been. And uh, these synagogues are going to end up with inferior uh, rabbis because of this stupid law. Now, I'm sure the same thing applies to mosques and the same thing applies to, uh, to churches. It's, it's a real big problem. And it's not a problem that anybody's talking about, but it's, it's a major problem. Organizations that have uh, people, foreign workers, workers uh, who, uh, who come from the States or from any other country who want to educate their kids in English can only do so for three years. After that, goodbye. And the bill proposes of taking away the bilingual status of any municipality that does not have a population of at least 50% English speakers. Cities and boroughs that want to preserve their status can adopt a resolution to that effect. So uh, cities could, uh, could adopt a resolution saying we're bilingual, we don't care what the government says. But in reality, the money comes from the government. And as, you, um, as, as I mentioned before, their new minister of the French language... Uh, could decide that a municipality is just not complying and then just take the money away. So the municipalities really have no choice but to comply with this new bill. And this bill is a terrible bill. It's a, t- it's a terrible bill. And I can't say it surprises me. 
that's the whole thing. I can't say it surprises me. When Francois Legault, who was a longtime PQ cabinet minister, who made his views very well known, said that they weren't going to have any referendums, that they were finished with referendums, they weren't going to ask the Quebec people if they wanted to separate from Canada. So essentially what they're doing is they are creating legislation which pretty much mimics what it would be like to separate from Canada. They're creating the situation... They're, they're creating the situation legally through through legislation of separating Quebec from Canada and making Quebec a unique country a unique country within the Canadian country. It's 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 mind blowing that they haven't done this before. I'm 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 shocked that this is the first time this is being tried, but but it's but it's but it's going to work, and they are going to legislate Quebec out of Canada, so they won't need. The referendum. Who needs a referendum when you could just do it? You just do it on your own, right? You could unilaterally separate Quebec from Canada by legislating English out of Quebec, getting rid of the English people. They're going to run. English people are going to flee the province. Businesses are going to flee the province. And who are you going to be left with? You're going to be left with the French people. And then after the English people leave and the businesses leave and and Quebec is 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 the void of the of this. Scourge of English. You have your referendum. You separate yourself from Canada. the 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 plan is quite simple. It's it's transparent. They're not hiding it, and you have no idea how many English people I know who voted for the CAQ government for the CAC government. So many people, uh, but but voting for the Liberal government wasn't any better. Voting voting for the Liberals wasn't any better. In fact, it was the Liberals who added the clause that 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 uh, that CJEP should be should be capped. Uh, thank you, thank you, David Birnbaum, for that. Liberal Liberal member member of National Assembly, David Birnbaum. Thank you, thank you for uh, for adding that. The PQ and the Bloc Quebecois, uh, the PQ and the uh, and the CAC did not think of that, but it was a good thing that Liberals were there to add extra salt to the wound of the English people. It's nice because that's what they do. Yet the English people vote for them continuously. It's 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 almost like Jews voting for the Democrats in the states, even though the Democrats always 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 punish Israel. The Jews keep voting for the Democrats. Same thing in Canada. Jews vote for the Liberals, even though the Liberals have been anti-Israel for for decades. But the Jews keep voting Liberal. Keep keep doing that. It's self-destructive, and the English people are the same way. Self-destructive. Keep voting for uh, for a party. That that works against your best interests. One eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two is the number to call. One eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two. I'm Howie Silberger. This is the Howie Silberger Show. We're heard live every night, Monday through Thursday, at ten p.m. on the True Talk Radio Network. On Tuesdays, <laughs> on Tuesdays we we were back at midnight. Midnight going into Wednesday. Tuesday going into Wednesday. We're back at midnight with political hitman. Here on Israel News, well, we'll be on Israel News Talk Radio. That is, uh, that is between um, between uh, midnight and one a.m. So if you happen to be up between midnight and one a.m., join me again uh, right here, exactly where you are right now. I'll be back at between midnight and one a.m. to do to to uh, to host Political Hitman on Israel News Talk Radio. Right now, we're talking about this new language law that's being passed in Quebec. Feel free to call in one eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two. I think it's atrocious that. Uh, that more people didn't show up to the rally. Now, now they always hold these rallies on Saturdays, which makes it hard for Jews to get out there. But uh, I think it's really atrocious that that more people didn't show up. 
and that more pressure isn't being put onto the government to drop this. It, it, it will pass. This law is going to pass, and it's going to be the worst language law ever passed in Quebec. It is going to be the most oppressive law to both the French people and the English people. It is going to solidify the dictatorship of Francois Legault and his CAC government, his coalition, his co- his coalition government, and it is going to uh, damage damage the province, irrever- irreversibly damage the province for years and decades to come. We, we are in big trouble if this pet law passes. We will see. You'll see. You see all those skyscrapers in the Montreal skyline behind me? They're all going to be empty. All the businesses are going to run from here. Imagine you're a multinational business who has contracts with companies from around the world, and now the law states that you have to have all your contracts in French. So everything that you've signed with anybody has to be translated to French, has to be re-signed in French. Imagine. Imagine the amount of man hours that some companies would need to be able to do that. Imagine the expense of doing that. Imagine telling somebody in Hong Kong that, yeah, I have to send you a contract in French and you're going to have to verify it with uh, some lawyer in Hong Kong who's a French lawyer before you could sign it. Imagine. Imagine the, the, the craziness that's going to go on in businesses. It's just easier to pick up your business and move it somewhere else. Somewhere where you don't have to worry about this. It's just cheaper and easier to do that. And, and that's what businesses are going to do. They're going to go the cheap and easy way. They're not going to go the complicated. Uh, let's, um, let's ask somebody in Bulgaria to translate my contract with them in French <clears throat> because that's what my stupid government wants here. Nobody's going to do that. They're just going to move their company or move their head offices and leave small offices here. You're going to see unemployment rising. You're going to see you're going to see uh, Americans who are working in Canada, skilled labor that's come to Canada. Uh, you're going to see them fleeing Quebec, fleeing by the masses in Quebec because it, they can't send their kids to English schools. You're going to see English schools shut down. I mean, sea <laughs> jumps are going to start closing down, and English schools are going to start closing down. Because whatever whatever little students they had, you're now cutting a piece of that pie out. This is going to be disastrous for the Quebec people and disastrous for all Quebecers, English and French. And I don't know why it's being tolerated. And I don't know why people aren't more angry about this. I walk around, I talk to people. Nobody's talking about this. Nobody's angry about this. People just kind of shrug their shoulders and say, "Yeah, you know what? This is part of life in Quebec. But it shouldn't be. And we should be very angry. And we should be fighting this tooth and nail. But who are you going to fight with? <laughs> Who's going to take up your cause? When, when the only party that, that could potentially take up your cause is the Liberal Party. And the Liberal Party in the National Assembly is the one who added extra they had an extra clause in there limiting English language schools. Who could you possibly ask to take your time to, to help you? Who could you possibly ask? David Bierenbaum. Uh, if, you, if, you live in the, if you live in the Jewish areas, David Bierenbaum. He's the one who wrote the clause to, to limit English schools. So, so what's the point in asking him? And then he announced, he realized that there's no way he's getting reelected. So he announced that he's not running again. Well, good riddance. That's what I have to say. Good riddance. 
You've done nothing to help the English community. You've done nothing to help the Jewish community. You've done nothing at all except hurt us. So good riddance. I I won't shed a tear that you're not running again. Now, could one M&A change the world? Probably not. But they don't have to add to the suffering, add to the add to the problems. What kind of people do that? Why would you do that? One eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two. I'm 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 a little upset with this guy. And of course he's going to say, well, it's all part of the uh, it's all part of you know the unity. We all have to be united, and you know we have to show the French that we're not afraid of them and that we could live with. Oh, give me a break. We don't have to show them anything. Why do we have to prove ourselves? And, and, you know, Jews do this all the time, too. It drives me crazy. Why do we have to prove ourselves? I mean, they went, there was a shooting, there was a shooting uh, just this past week, a supermarket shooting in the United States. And I've seen hundreds of posts by Jews. Oh, we mourn the death of everybody killed in, in, in the supermarket shooting. And I always ask these people who post this stuff up, I always say the same thing. I ask them, I ask them the same question all the time. Why are you doing this? Why are you posting up, I mourn the death of these people? Who cares if you mourn the death? How does that change anything? And they say, well, we have to show that we mourn the death of people who are killed there. Then they're going to care about us when we get killed. It doesn't work. As we, as we proved yesterday, as we saw yesterday, it doesn't work. Over a dozen people were killed in Israel over the last couple of weeks. And we don't even know their names because... It is not being covered in the media. It doesn't work. Nobody cares about dead Jews. So it, it, we could go and bend over backwards and say we're we, we're sorry. We and you know all violence is condemnable. So you know I have no problem with condemning violence, but but going overboard and posting up posting up black squares and posting up uh, the names of the victims and 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 really going overboard like like really really showing that we care doesn't change a thing so why are we doing things that that, that are totally irrelevant nobody cares if we care the same way i don't care I, i really really don't care if nobody cares about the dead jews I know I complain about it and I talk about it on the show, but I just talk about it to say that we understand nobody cares about dead Jews. I care about dead Jews. My people care about the dead people in our in our in our in our life, in our family, in our in our community. And we have to care about us. Because if we don't care about us, we don't watch out for ourselves, nobody out there is gonna watch out for us. Nobody at all is gonna look out for us. So the next idiot who comes along and wants to kill us. Everyone will say, fine, kill the Jews. Who cares? Because nobody cares. And we, we have to understand that. So instead of it, putting our energies into, into condemning attacks on other people, putting our energies into condemning and, 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 and being outraged by things that happen to other people, how about we look internally and be outraged about stuff happening to us? How about we stand up for ourselves and say, this is not right. We cannot live like this and we will not live like this. That's the way you you protect yourself. That's the that's the only way you protect yourself. You know, pandering to other people, begging them to care about me, getting on my knees and 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 pleading with them to please care that my people are being killed. Please care that 
Yet there's this this group that uh, made up people who are trying to destroy us. Please care about terrorist attacks of Jews that were killed. Getting on my knees and pleading that fact is pointless. Pandering to other people is pointless. It's not going to help. Which is why I always stood against against uh, uh, interface dialogue. I never liked the concept of interface dialogue. And the reason I didn't like the f- concept of interface dialogue is because I, I don't care if a rabbi, an imam, and a, and a priest get together and talk. <laughs> it's not going to change the, the ultimate goal of Islam and Christianity, which is to become the dominant religion. That's not going to change because that is the essence of their religion. The essence of their Christianity is that the Jews had a covenant with God and that covenant was valid until a new covenant was signed with Jesus. That is the, that is the, that is the essence of Christianity. Now when that new covenant was signed with Jesus, it got rid of the old one. It nullified the old one. Now the new one is in effect. So Christianity, that's why they say, you know, it's good news. That's why they say, seeing the light. That's why they say, I'm saving somebody. Because I'm saving you because I'm bringing you over to the new covenant with God. The new deal. New Testament. Forget about the Old Testament. The old is ancient. It's a dinosaur. It's the New Testament. That's why there were crusades. The first batch of crusades. Not the ones against the Islams, the ones against the Jews. Because many Jews said, wait a second, we still have our Torah and we're happy with our Torah. And a Christian said, no, that's not acceptable. Because if you are still happy with your Torah, and if you still believe that you have a covenant with God, then our covenant is not valid. We can't prove that our covenant is valid. You can't have two people saying we have an exclusive covenant with God. It doesn't work. It can only be one people. Only one people can be the chosen people. The Jews were the chosen people until Jesus came along. Now the Christians are the chosen people. So we must destroy the Jews that don't want to accept Christianity. And that's why the Crusades, and that's why that's why Jews were killed in the Inquisition. That's why Jews were killed and converted, and a massive effort was put in to convert Jews. Then along came the Muslims. And the Muslims, Mohammed said, hey, wait a second. <laughs> the Jews had a covenant with God. Now the Christians had a covenant with God. Oh, look, I have a covenant with God now too. Now Islam has the latest covenant with God. And because we have the latest covenant with God, you can't believe in Christianity and you can't believe in Judaism anymore. You must convert to Islam. And Islam went out and they had the jihads go and kill anybody who didn't want to convert to Islam. And that's what they did. They wiped out hundreds of thousands of people, millions of people. They're still wiping out millions of people because they don't want to believe in Islam. They don't want to believe in. They don't want to believe in Muhammad. The new covenants can't accept the fact they're old covenants because if they do accept the fact they're old covenants, they can't exist. They can't be there. So they must destroy the old ones. And that is exactly where we stand now. That's where we stand now with Christianity and and Judaism and Islam. Interfaith dialogue is not going to change that. It's not going to change that concept. I could meet with a hundred priests and the priest could say, I love you, I love my Jewish brethren, I love my Islamic brethren. 
But at the same time, the next day, he's going to go out and try to convert the Jew and the, the Islamic guy to Christianity because he feels he's saving him. That's his way to salvation. It's the way to heaven. So he's going to go and try to convert you. So I love you. I hug you. I kiss you. You're the greatest person in the world. But now let's go. Come on, join me because I'm better than you are. The Islamic person is going to do the same thing. I love my Jewish brethren. I love my Christian brethren. But come, you know, see the truth. Come see the, the, the light. Come to, come to Islam. The Jewish person, on the other hand, doesn't do that. We don't believe in converting. We, 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 were actually, we, actually, um, we actually discourage conversions. Because Jews know we have the truth. And because we were the first and we have the truth, we, we don't have to prove ourselves. There, there's nothing that we have to prove. And there's nobody that we have to prove ourselves to. Christianity's running around, and they've been running around for centuries, trying to prove that their covenant is the, is the official one, is the, is, the, is the sanctioned one by God. And it overtakes the Jewish one. That's what they've been trying to prove. Islam's been running around for centuries trying to prove that theirs overtakes the Christian Bible and the Jewish Bible. But the Jews haven't been doing that because you know, our Bible is accurate and our Bible is the Bible. So, so Jews have nothing to prove. The Jews have no reason to run around and, and, try, to, and try to convert people. And so here we are. This is why I'm saying that we shouldn't be sitting idly by and allowing people to be converted, allowing people to be killed, allowing people to be, to be, to be destroyed. Jews should have a voice. They should have a voice in the world. We should be standing up and screaming and yelling and, and expressing our opinion. And I think the same thing for English people in Quebec. You should be standing up and yelling and expressing your opinion. You should not be accepting this lying down. And French people in Quebec should not be accepting this lying down either. Yeah. Oppression is oppression. And oppression should never, ever, ever be accepted by people in a democratic country. Because the second you accept it, your democracy is gone. And I think in Quebec it's been gone for a while already. One eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two is the number to call if you want to talk to me. One eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two. If you want to get in on the conversation here on the Howie Silberger Show, which is heard live every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday from ten to eleven p.m. right here on the True Talk Radio Network. So happy to be here with you. I, I really am. It's been it's been a while, so I'm, I'm really happy that uh, that we're back on a daily, and uh, hopefully this will continue throughout the summer and uh, throughout the winter and for 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 time being. Uh, coming up on the on on the Howie Silberger show, uh, in in the future episodes, we're going to start interviewing people. We're going to have people come join us. Uh, I maybe live in studio, maybe um, maybe on the phone, maybe uh, maybe through through the magic of. Of, of Zoom or, uh, or, or, or Skype or, or whatever. But we're going to have people join us. Uh, we're going to bring back some, some, some voices and some uh, faces that you may have seen in the past. We're going uh, to introduce you to some new people. Uh, we're working on, on, on making this show bigger and better. Uh, but we need your help. And I'm not talking about financial help. We need your help getting listeners. Tell your friends that we are back on the air. Tell your friends that we are on every night and tell your friends to watch and listen to the show. Subscribe to the podcast. Uh, watch it on YouTube. 
Watch it on Facebook. Just uh, just make sure that you uh, that you tell your friends that this is a great show and that you want them to watch it and that they should they should watch it and be part of the uh, the Howie Silberger Show experience. And I th- I, th- I don't think they'll regret it. I don't think uh, anybody you get to watch the show will regret it, because it, it is it is a really good show. I, I know I'm a little biased. I know that you don't have to tell me how biased I am when I say this is a good show. But I really think it is the uh, is probably the best political talk show in Canada. One eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two. That was really humble. One eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two is the number to call. One eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two. Nobody ever accused me of being humble. They just <laughs> it's it's hard to be humble when you're when you're when you're when you're a talk show host. Uh, but. Um, Nobody ever accused me of being humble. I I hardly ever talk about myself, so that's okay. Every now and then, when I do, you gotta forgive me, and that's it. Um, do you do you think that we should um that 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 this government is going to get reelected? This Quebec government polls right now are saying that uh, if there was an election held tomorrow, seventy seven percent of people living in Quebec would reelect this government. Do you think that's true? We got a uh, we got a message from Facebook saying, "I'm retiring to Ottawa. Not a bad idea. Not a bad idea. Get out of town. A lot of people will be doing that. Getting out of town if this bill passes. It is so sad, really, because Montreal is such a great city. I love Montreal. I love living here. I chose to stay here. I could have I could have moved out of Montreal a long time ago. I chose to stay here, and I chose to find work here, and I chose to build a family here." Because I really love this city. But if things keep going south, and my city and my province keeps, uh, keeps trying to oppress me, and if things get really bad here, uh, I won't hesitate to leave the city. My skill sets and my education will, will allow me to find a job anywhere in the country, in the, in, in, in the province, in the country, or in the, uh, in the world, really. So I'm not afraid to move. But at the same time, I want to stay here because I really like this city. And I just wish that we could just live in peace and harmony. I mean, the language, language situation was pretty stable for the last 15 years. There has really been no skirmishes, no fights, no nothing. Everybody was pretty happy with the way it was. Why do we have to change it now? Why is this government pushing this change? And I, I have an answer for you. I really do. Because we proved that we didn't care about our rights with the COVID restrictions. Believe it or not, that emboldened the government to go and do something like this. Now, if you think I'm, if you think I'm joking, you think I'm lying, you don't think that's true, think about it. Before COVID, the government would never dream to touch the language laws. It was, uh, it was a hot issue and they didn't want to touch it. They wouldn't go anywhere near it with a 10-foot pole. After we gave up all our rights and allowed the government to control us for two and a half years, now the government's ready to pass new language laws. Nothing in politics is coincidental. Nothing at all. We just have to realize that that's what happened. I will see you again tomorrow right here. Well, I'll see you in an hour. Because I'm back on at midnight here on uh, the True Talk Radio Network. But the Howie Silver Show back will be on again tomorrow at 10 p.m. Uh, until then, I bid you a good night. And I'll see you tomorrow.